Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Stanford football returns. But is Stanford football back? Well, we're going to get the answers to that question over the next few weeks. And to cover it all here, you've come to the right place. It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network. It's great to be with you for the start of the 2022 season. Thursday, September 1st, 2022. With the Stanford football season opener just two days away. It's great to have you with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Hello, hey there, hi there, ho there. So glad that you have decided to spend some time here with us. If you love Stanford football, if you love Stanford sports, man, you come to the right place. TreeCast owns the Stanford Athletics podcast space. Been doing this since 2015 with access and interviews and analysis that you just cannot hear anywhere else. And I'm proud to bring that into a brand new season. The examples? All right, cool. Two very special guests on this week's show. Stanford defensive coordinator, excuse me, the Willie Shaw director of defense, Lance Anderson. It's going to be fascinating to watch that Stanford defense, uh, both in scheme and in personnel. And there is going to be a lot riding on Stanford's defensive performance this year. If the Cardinal want to turn things around, What's Lance Anderson thinking as the season begins? We will ask him those very thoughts and those very questions. And our second very special guest is a guy who I can't believe I haven't had on the show yet, but figured that now is a perfect time to bring him on because he's going to be the analyst for the Pac-12 network on the TV side when Stanford has its season opener against Colgate this Saturday. Former Stanford wide receiver Greg Camarillo will be our Second special guest on this week's show. Looking forward to getting his thoughts as he sits in the analyst chair against the Cardinal and and what he's thinking about things we might see for Stanford uh, this upcoming Saturday, perhaps for the remainder of the season. And whether he needs to buy his own meal or drink in Miami ever again based on some of his NFL exploits. So Lance Anderson and Greg Camarillo coming up later on in the program. Who am I? I'm Troy Clarity. Hey, how you doing? It's so great to be with you. My 30th season of Stanford football as a follower and a broadcaster. I've been around this program for quite a while. Uh, Shout out to my new friends uh, that I gained from hosting the Stanford football season ticket members dinner a couple weeks ago. That was a lot of fun. So my 30th season of Stanford football, my ninth year of Pac-12 network play-by-play begins Holy cow, it begins today. Stanford soccer got a doubleheader later on on Thursday. The men facing UC Davis and uh, the women's soccer squad facing Penn State. That game in particular should be a doozy. And this is my first year of college football play-by-play with the Compass Media Networks on the national radio side. Can't wait to dive into that later on into the season. And it is a uh, dream come true to be calling football on the radio uh, not just to do that, but just to do, but to do it as well, uh, to do the, some of the biggest games that college football has to offer on a top-notch national radio network like Compass. So all of that is to say this. We'll try to come at you twice a week with game previews on Thursdays, game reviews on Sundays and Mondays. But given how things might be from week to week, things might shift around a little bit. The best thing to do is to stay tuned so you are up on top of things and uh, that you know full well when the next 
TreeCast is coming your way. So subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app. And uh, also uh, stay tuned. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'll always give you the scoop there, at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y for that. But we're going to have a lot of fun, as we always do. We'll give you three things you need to know about Stanford football heading into the season opener in just a moment. But first, a reminder that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, Stanford trying to get off the mat after a 3-9 and nine season, including a seven-game losing streak to finish that campaign last year. And expectations low or outside of the program. Picked to finish eighth by the media. Eh, tough schedule. Major questions on run defense. Uh, I get it. What's David Shaw's definition of success for the season ahead? He told us on Tuesday. Uh, my mentality right now is to win the next game we play. You know, that's all we want to do. We want to win the next game we play. Um, guys put a lot of effort in. We've got a great leadership group right now, uh, focused on the things that are important. Um, and this, 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 this team has a chance to be special, um, but we can't get ahead of ourselves. We can't start thinking about the end of the season, um, in the beginning of the season. Um, so for me right now, success for us is just winning the next game we play. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. Just find a way to beat Colgate and then go from there because certainly the tests get much bigger as the season goes along. Three things you need to know about Stanford football as the Cardinal get ready for Colgate. Let's begin with number one. <laughs> Stanford football released its depth chart for Colgate on Monday, and Shaw's depth charts are very organic. Some positions and players very interchangeable, and, and many times it's more important where guys finish as opposed to where they start in games. That being said, first thing that caught my eye when I saw the depth chart when it was released on Monday, Bryson Tremaine slated to start at one of the receiver spots. I mean, last time we saw Bryson Tremaine, he was on the ground against Oregon after making the big catch, and his leg was pointed in an entirely different direction from the rest of his body. Now here he is. The next time we're going to see him, he is going to be starting at wide receiver for the Cardinal on Saturday. David Shaw, of course, very pleased with those developments. Excited for him. Um, the teammates are excited for him, uh, for all that he went through. I mean, it was a really, really difficult gruesome injury um and he never wavered on whether or not he was going to come back better and um it's just great to see him every day go out there and run and catch and do all those things that he's able to do yeah shaw also saying that bryson and you heard him tell us this when we caught up with him at uh, pac-12 football media day at the end of july that bryson has regained his explosiveness and his speed back wow you realize that bryson still finished the season even with that injury just five games into the season, he still finished the season as Stanford's leader in touchdown grabs last year. Now, I mean, it was it was astonishing enough to see Bryson warming up during the spring game. I still can't believe that happened. But to not just be available for Stanford against Colgate this week, but to be a starter? 
after that? Man, that's a special story. Special story. Let's get to number two. One of the major keys to success for Stanford this year, and maybe the biggest key to success for Stanford this year, will be the defensive line and the Cards' efforts to stop the run. Stanford's defense collapsed last year. There's no way around it. Late in the season, they switched to a different front that worked out a little bit better, but now they've had an entire offseason to work on it. Still, a lot of new faces are going to be put in some crucial roles up front for Stanford defensively, especially on the defensive line. Shaw tells us what he expects from that crew. That group um, is not going to have a lot of name recognition early on. As you said, they haven't played a lot of football. It's going to be interesting because I hate to completely judge a player until they play in games. Practice has been good. Competition has been good. But, you know, there's a, there's got to be a huge, um, huge uh, rise in play when the, when the games are live. So um, we'll evaluate those guys and we'll see how many guys will get a chance to put on the field and see how they go. And hopefully we'll continue to improve every week. It's David Shaw, junior Tobin Phillips and sophomore Anthony Franklin were atop Stanford's depth chart at the defensive tackle position this week with a sophomore Zach Bucky and freshman Jackson Moy in reserve. I'd imagine we also might see a little bit of junior Zephron Lester and a freshman Zach Rowell in there as well. Those guys, those six guys I just mentioned, have a combined 13 games and one start of experience on the collegiate level. That one start and nine of those games, by the way, belong to Phillips, and the other four games belong to Franklin. So as David Shaw says, not a lot of name recognition, but they're certainly going to get a lot of opportunities. More on this with Cardinal defensive coordinator Lance Anderson in just a bit. But let's wrap up three things with number three. A lot to watch in the trenches on the other side of the ball, too, as Stanford's offensive line will be under the microscope in a big way. Now, there's a lot more experience there. Stanford's top six offensive linemen has 104 career starts between them, but still a lot to prove after an underwhelming season last year. As, as many of you longtime Stanford watchers know, the card go as their offensive line goes. So, how could things be different up front for Stanford this year? Senior center Drake Nugent tells us. I definitely say meaner, at least I think so. <laughs> um, you know, last year, we're ne- I don't know, it just like never felt like we were in a rhythm, you know. Um, part of playing line is getting your combos together, making sure your feet are right. Um, just like you kind of get in the rhythm, especially running the ball. Um, you can kind of tell the linebackers are going. I guess it just felt like last year, like every yard we gained was just, it was almost like too hard of yards again. Like we just had to really scrap for every yard we had. It almost seemed like, and like this year just seems a little bit like, I don't want to say easier, but it just seems like more, more rhythmic and like, um, more natural, um, with how we're running the ball. That's Drake Nugent. And yeah, meaner is nice. I like to see a mean offensive line. It's always cool in the Stanford O-line's putting dudes on their back and leaving them for dead. Last year, Stanford's offensive line did not look strong enough or quick enough. And that was especially disappointing after after a solid showing for the most part in 2020. I really enjoyed watching Stanford muscle down the final eight minutes of clock at UW that year. That was fun, man. That was fun. Didn't see that at all. I even think it's Vanderbilt last year. Can the offensive line get back to Tunnel Workers Union level play? That will also dictate much of Stanford's success or lack thereof this year. And again, it always does, doesn't it? Those are three things. 
Lance Anderson coming up in just a couple of minutes. We will talk defense with him, and we will talk all things Cardinal football, present and past, with former Cardinal wide receiver and now Pac-12 Foot Network football analyst who will be in the analyst chair for the TV broadcast on Saturday, Greg Camarillo. So our two special guests coming up in just a moment or so. But first, Stanford versus Colgate. That's the season opener, 5 p.m. on Saturday. And Colgate, a team coming out of the Patriot League. And this is a team that, that poses some intriguing challenges, specifically for Stanford. They've got a quarterback in Michael Brescia who turned out to be one of the biggest offensive weapons in the Patriot League, and he came along just halfway through the season but racked up big yardage on the ground and moved the ball and did a lot of terrific things and really kind of helped helped jumpstart the Colgate offense, especially late in the season. Ricky Miazon, Stanford linebacker, was asked for his thoughts on the challenges that that the Colgate offense might pose for Stanford? I think it'll be um, a really good test for us. Um, granted that we'll see a bunch of, you know, really um, athletic uh, quarterbacks throughout the year. So I think it's a perfect first game for us. Um, and, you know, off that, they also do a lot of like jet motion and movement. So um, just being really, you know, cued in on on where we need to fit and who needs to be a spy player and, you um, you know, so it'll be, a, I think it'll be a really good test for us. Um, you know, even, you know, last year we kind of struggled to to keep certain quarterbacks in the pocket. So it'll be a good test to see where we're at um, and what we do need to fix. Well, anytime someone says that uh, a certain squad runs a lot of jet sweep, uh, a lot of jet motion and things like that, I always have flashbacks to Oregon State <laughs> circa 2006, 2007 or so. And Jacquez Rogers still gives me nightmares. Good Lord. But should be a very intriguing test for Stanford defensively and uh, an opponent that that poses some challenges and may ask some questions that Stanford certainly still needs to answer defensively. I've got those questions. And I'm sure that Stanford defensive coordinator, also known as the Willie Shaw director of defense, Lance Anderson, has those questions as well. Well, I had some questions for Lance myself, so we caught up after Stanford's practice down on the farm late on Wednesday afternoon. It's always great to to have a chance to catch up with Lance, and I asked him for his impressions of where things stand now that camp is over and that the regular season has begun. I'm really excited. I mean, we've got, for the most part, a veteran group on defense. Uh, you know, we've had our ups and downs the last few years. We've had some injuries. We've had to play a lot of guys. But what that's done is that's given a lot of guys playing time. Those guys are veterans right now. They've got experience. So we have high expectations uh, for this group. Uh, so I'm excited to watch our guys play, uh, excited to see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Very intriguing side of the ball to watch, not just from scheme, but from personnel standpoint as well. But let's talk about the scheme. We saw a a little bit of it towards the end of the year last year with the shift up front uh two defensive tackles two outside guys listed as edge players and the line and the three linebackers behind them just take us through the things that needed to be solved and why this particular scheme is the best way to go going forward you know i really think this best matches the personnel that we have um i mean we're a little bit young and inexperienced at the defensive line spot but most everywhere else on defense we have depth we have experience with the guys on the edge we have some size and some guys who have some, you know, physicality and toughness to them. So, uh, you know, a linebacker group with experience, a DB group with experience. So I, I think this will fit our personnel well. It also allows our guys.
guys to really you know play single gaps, to be disruptive, to be decisive, to be aggressive. And so we hope that that allows those guys to go out there and, and make plays. A lot of guys are going to be on the secondary. A lot of guys are a lot of eyes are going to be on the guys up front too. Let's start there. Take us through the personnel that we should expect to see coming in and out, especially on the defensive line. Defensive line, like I mentioned, it's, it's a young group, but it's a group we're pretty excited about. Uh, you know, I think we've seen those young guys make a lot of progress, you know, from spring ball throughout fall camp. You know, so you'll see guys like, you know, Tobin Phillips, who's probably got the most playing time for us under his belt. But then you got some younger guys like uh, Anthony Franklin and Zach Bucky that are doing a nice, solid job and will, should be solid contributors for us. Um, we've got a freshman, Jackson Moy, who's done a very good job. I think he's going to be an outstanding player here at Stanford, and he's going to get some uh, some early playing time. Um, you know, we may roll some other guys through as well on the defensive line, but uh, just looking for those guys to be aggressive, to get off the ball. It's an athletic group, and that's what we want them to do is get off the ball, get in the backfield. Um, you know, up front with the guys on the edge, you know, you got, you know, a veteran guy like Stephen Heron that's played a lot of snaps. Uh, we've got our incoming freshman, uh, you know, David Bailey, who has done a phenomenal job. And I think, you know, like Jackson Moy, is going to have a great career here at Stanford. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy watching him play. And we expect those guys to play a lot. Um, but I think behind them we've got some solid guys. Aeneas DeCosmo, I think the change in the defense has really suited him well. He's well suited for that edge position. You know, he's a strong physical guy. He's had a really good spring, really good fall camp. Um, Lance Kennelly is another guy that's you know very physical, very tough. You know, the, the change suits him well. Uh, got a guy like Aaron Armitage who you know played more inside defensive line last year is out on the edge now you know big kid you know very athletic you know very uh, very talented you know for a big kid can move really well and uh, you know Thunder Keck is a sixth year guy that's uh, you know going to help us there so we've really got some guys there on the edge that we can we can roll through. David Bailey, you mentioned him earlier, and David Shaw earlier this week said, "Hey, I, I'm, I'm heaping a lot of praise on something, which is something I don't generally do with freshmen, but but so far he's lived up to the hype." Your thoughts on what he's brought so far this year? Yeah, you know, I'm really pleased, and uh, not only do I think he's an outstanding athlete, outstanding football player, but for his age, he's very mature. Um, he understands the game well. Um, he wants to get better. I mean, he understands there's a lot of things he hasn't done. A lot of these things are new to him, but he's not afraid to admit that he might be wrong, that he doesn't have the answer. He wants to know, oh, coach, how do I correct that? How do I do that right? And uh, I'm excited to see him play. And, you know, I know like all young guys, you know, they may, may make a mistake here and there, but he's got a lot of ability. I think he's got a chance to make a lot of plays. I'm, I'm excited to, to watch him play. I thought it was intriguing hearing Rick Miazon earlier this week say how the scheme also had an effect on the linebackers in particular because before, you know, the linebackers weren't all in the same meeting room. Outside linebackers had a different meeting room than the inside guys did. Now everyone's in the same room. How could that potentially benefit specifically that unit and those guys? You know, I think we've simplified things a little bit uh, there as well, which is going to allow those guys to play faster. Um, you know, might allow us to get three of those guys on the field at the same time. And we've got a good group with Ricky Miezon, like you mentioned, Jacob Mangum Farrar, Lavani Damuni. Those guys have played a lot of snaps for us. Tristan Sinclair has you know, done a good job for us and has had a really good fall camp. So you know, I think it'll allow us to get more of those guys on the field. And I think just, again, simplifying things a little bit allows them to come downhill, play fast, and that's what we want them to do. It, it's a big physical group with guys that can also run really well. So we think those guys have a chance to make some plays for us. Secondary, 
is going to be one of the more intriguing secondaries, I think, definitely in the Pac-12, arguably in the entire West, maybe even in all of college football. Caillou Blue Kelly, Jonathan McGill, Patrick Fields in the mix, Kendall Williamson, uh, Jimmy Wyrick, who did some great things early last year. Take us through this secondary and particularly what makes it so strong. It, it is. It's a very talented group. I think it's a group that runs really well. They're fast. They're athletic. A lot of the guys are very physical too. I mean, none of those guys, you know, shy away from contact. I mean, that's and for us to be better at stopping the run, for us to be the kind of physical, imposing defense we want to be, you got to be physical everywhere. And that group brings that as well. I mean, whether it's Ethan Bonner out of the corner position, Caillou Kelly, you see how he's developed physically since he's been here. I mean, it is a physical group that runs well. It's also a group that has a lot of depth and there's a lot of versatility there. I mean, you mentioned a lot of those guys. There's been great competition amongst those guys. But you think about other guys that got playing time last year, whether it's Nick Toomer, it's Jaden Slocum, it's Brandon Jones. Um, there's going to be some really good competition there. So we can you know, find different ways to get those guys on the field, find ways to utilize their strengths. Um, so I think it's just great to have that depth. We, we haven't liked some of the injuries and things that have forced us to play the number of guys, but in the long run, it's really going to benefit us because now it's a veteran experienced group. You know, we can have some variety in coverages. You know, we can disguise a little bit, which should help us. Um, but the most thing I'm excited is just it is a physical, fast group back there. What are some of the different ways that the new scheme, the new looks could potentially improve Stanford's abilities to get to the quarterback and get big time pressures and get big time sacks when they're available? You know, I think the big thing is for us to get back to, you know, for, for years where we were up high in the country, a number of sacks and, you know, the pressure we could put on a quarterback. But to do that, you first have to stop the run. So you get teams into true passing situations. We have not done that in recent years as much as we did for a long time. So we've got to get the run stopped, get teams into a pass situation where now we can turn those guys loose on the edge and let them rush. We can run some stunts. We can run some blitzes and things like that that are designed to attack protections. But first, we got to get teams into those situations where they have to throw the ball, and you got to do that by stopping the run. So I think that's a big key for us. Let's talk about Colgate. Speaking of stopping the run, this is a team that ran the ball very effectively, it seemed, last year, especially when they brought in Brescia, their quarterback, in, in the second half of the year. A lot of jet sweep motion, lots of things that they like to try to do, it seems, but it all seems to be predicated on that running game as well. What sort of challenges could Colgate potentially pose to this defense? So number one thing is they, they do run the ball very well, very effectively. They are very committed to that. There's almost not a single situation that comes up in the game where there isn't the potential for them to run the football. So that's always a threat, so something you've got to gotta stop. They're also, scheme-wise, they give you a lot of things that you've got to adjust to, like you mentioned the jet motions, whether it's uh, unbalanced offensive lines, it's end-over formations, just a lot of things that are going to try to give them an advantage numbers-wise in the run game and maybe cause some confusion, things like that. So we've had to be very good in our work with those situations, getting guys in the proper gaps, getting them lined up correctly. The next thing is I think the quarterback is an outstanding athlete. And he is a strong runner. He runs the football really well. I think he led the team last year in both rushing attempts and rushing yards and yards per carry. So he is a he is a real weapon. So you've got to create, or I mean, you've got to account for the quarterback because they create that extra gap with the quarterback running in there. So you've got to be very aware of, of him. It kind of starts with him. He's a, he's a very good athlete. 
couple last things here for you. And I think we've talked about this a little bit over the years, but you know, it's not easy playing defense on, on, on this level, and especially when it seems like many of the rules kind of seem to tilt a little bit towards the offensive side of the ball just a little bit. Has it become more difficult to play effective defense when it seems like the game might be emphasizing the offensive side of the ball a bit more with late. You know, sure, it can be a challenge, but I, I mean, I love that challenge. I love the group that we have, and I've enjoyed over the years here, we've had a lot of really good years on defense, a lot of really good football players. So I still believe, I mean, if you've got a group of 11 guys that play well together, that do their job, that are physical, good tacklers, you can play good defense in you know today's day and age. But that's what you got to have. you got to have guys who will do their job, guys who will play hard give great effort and I like where our guys are right now and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we do this season because uh you know the last couple of years have not quite been to the standard that was established here for a lot of years and I'm excited to get back to that because I think we've got the athletes we got the toughness we got the physicality where we can play good defense and uh that's that's the standard that's what we're looking to do yeah as we wrap this up a couple of guys that maybe we're not talking about right now but a couple guys that that maybe by season's end we're going whoa this kid really improved in a big time way throughout the course of the season any under the radar guys at this point defensively well i've mentioned so many of those guys and uh <laughs> you know I, again i, I just you know, I know Jackson Moy is a freshman right now, defensive lineman. That's a hard position to play as a freshman. But I, I really think you're going to see him flash this year for us and uh, do some really solid things. Um, you know, I know Jimmy Wyrick just got a, you know, some playing time last year. I really expect him to improve and get better and better as the year goes goes on. I think some of those edge guys, that Aaron Armitage, uh, Lance Kennelly, Aeneas DeCosmo, they haven't played as much for us, but I expect them to have an impact as the season goes on as well. I've seen improvement in all those guys, and I you know, would expect that to continue as the year, year goes on. Should be fun to watch. Looking forward to getting it all going this Saturday against Colgate, the first of 12 Stanford football Saturdays, and the defense, of course, is going to be one of the big subplots for the Cardinal this season. Lance, always appreciate the time. Glad we could catch up. Best of luck this season. Best of health to you and the squad. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Our thanks again to Lance Anderson for dropping by and spending some time with us. And, uh, man, if I didn't know any better, based on that conversation, I would think that for, uh, for Lance, stopping the run is priority number one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> Very telling that when I asked him, "Hey, how does this scheme kind of help protect? How can I kind of help uh, increase the chances of of getting uh, getting pressure on the opposing quarterback?" And he said, "Well, we got to stop the run first. <laughs> so that, that 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 seems to be where the Stanford defense is at, and rightfully so, because the Cardinal defense they didn't just struggle to stop the run, as it turned out last year. They didn't stop it at all. I can still see Utah running backs just running, running through the night." I'd really love to to put that that game from last year behind me. I like to put a lot of games from last year behind me, except Oregon. That was that was that was white knuckling, but it was it was it was pretty cool too. But 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 very telling that that even when you're talking about putting pressure on the quarterback and a- asking Lance for his thoughts on that, and he's saying, "Look, let's start with stopping the run first and putting the quarterbacks." in positions and kind of kind of predetermining their play calling so that they have to they have to pass the ball and that they have to you know we we do get chances to to be able to put pressure on the quarterback as well i mean look we we've seen lance get diabolical right and and dial up some super exotic blitzes 
We haven't seen it in a few years, it seems, because Stanford has struggled stopping the run. But we, So we know it's there. We know that stuff is, is in the playbook uh, somewhere. And maybe with Stanford looking as talented as it potentially does in the secondary, maybe that means that some guys in the secondary are a bit more active in getting into the backfield. It sounds like, based on what, what Lance just told us, sounds like he, he won't be afraid to use the secondary and run support, which in a lot of ways could be a good thing. In a lot of other ways, maybe not so much. But it, it certainly sounds like like that is certainly going to be an option for Stanford and the secondary and, and to help them uh, have them help uh, Stanford's run-stopping efforts. It's, it's going to be all hands on deck, right? As, as the Cardinal try to try to keep opposing teams from from gashing them on the ground, like we saw time and time again last year. Our thanks again to Lance Anderson for joining us on the TreeCast. Greg Camarillo coming up in just a few minutes, by the way. Um, Stanford didn't go back to the lab just on defense over the offseason. Cardinal have done some tinkering on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, David Shaw told us about this when he joined the TreeCast uh, for a one-on-one chat back in February. Uh, we always appreciate when he uh, takes some time out and, and, and join us one-on-one, as, as he has done numerous times since the TreeCast came into being back in 2015. We're, we're glad that uh, Shaw has uh, kind of made this his second home podcast-wise, it seems. But uh, on Tuesday, David Shaw also detailed why some of those changes on offense particularly from a schematic standpoint and from a philosophical standpoint too, why some of those changes had to come about. Honestly, over time, you know, we had too much. We're doing too much, doing too many things. And um, I think focusing back on our principles and uh, cutting down what we do so we can be great at what we do. um, That was the driving factor, Um, you know, of using whether it's drop back, play action, um, power schemes, RPOs, whatever, like those are, those are just the tools, um, to truly service the mentality. Um, so focusing on the mentality and narrowing those tools down for us to be efficient and explosive and consistent, um, that's going to lead towards success. Um, that's been our history here. Um, and I, I think we, I can't say we, I say I, um, allowed it to kind of get off base a little bit where we did some things really well, but we just did too many things. Um, so really, and I think we were, we're more focused offense um, and we'll be on a week to week basis. As David Shaw admitting that maybe over the last few years, Stanford offensively tried to do too much and that maybe it got too far off base from some things that, that it had done when Stanford was at the, at the top of its game offensively and defensively and, and taking the blame for, maybe the Cardinal digressing and getting off track from those kinds of things. Now, does this mean a return to pound and ground and, and a return to the vaunted running game that, that Stanford has prized for so long and so many, so many Stanford fans still associate with this program? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I would certainly like to see it in the second half, right? Because that's been the problem. Stanford hasn't had leads in the second half, certainly in 2021 that they were able to try to run down clock. We brought up that game against Washington up in Seattle uh, back in the 2020 season. That's probably the last time Stanford was able to muscle down some clock uh, and, and eat up, eat up uh, uh, the final minutes of a game with the game on the line. That's probably the last time that that happened. Stanford hasn't had those, those opportunities. 
I've heard a lot of fans clamoring that Stanford needs to open things up and get away from, from the running game and get away from its conservative approach. And when I hear that, that kind of tells me that that, Stan, that that particular fan has not really watched Stanford football since probably about late 2018, right? When K.J. Costello started flinging the ball all over the yard and when Davis Mills was throwing for 500 yards and throwing the ball 27 straight times. Um, I, I certainly don't think that that last year could be considered a year in which Stanford just turtled um, and didn't really open it up. And, and when it could, when, when it didn't open up late in the year, how are they going to open up when Stanford was having its fifth string quarterback taking snaps? And that's not quite exactly the time to be opening up the offense. So I, I think people's perception of the Stanford offense right now is still very much in flux. And maybe the coach's perception that, uh, of it is still in flux somewhat as well right now, even coming into the season. And that's why they had to go back to the back to the lab and change as much as they per, per, uh, they probably had to change. Now, th- does this mean that that the quarterback no longer goes to the line of scrimmage with two plays and he has to choose the right one? Maybe there's a bit less of an emphasis on that. We'll see. We'll see. I do know this. Stanford offensively has a lot of talent. And man, there are plenty of matchup problems that this offense can pose, especially with the wide receivers. My goodness. And maybe perhaps uncluttering things maybe allows that talent to flourish a bit more and to let those matchup problems organically start to unfold. We'll see. We'll see. Well, here we go. Stanford versus Colgate to begin the 2022 Stanford football season, a 5 o'clock p.m. kickoff. Of course, we encourage all of you to be at Stanford Stadium for that. But if you can't, a good alternative is to check out the game on TV on the Pac-12 Network, where you will be hearing from our very special guest on this week's TreeCast, and a familiar name for longtime Stanford football fans. He walked on to Stanford played four years for the Cardinal, went undrafted in 2005, but still had an NFL career that spanned eight seasons with San Diego, Miami, Minnesota, and New Orleans. And yes, he is on the TV call this week as as the analyst for the Pac-12 Network from Menlo Atherton High School, former Cardinal wide receiver, Greg Camarillo. Greg, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing doing well and uh, excited to be on the call for the first game and honored to be on the podcast with you. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome to the Pac-12 Network family. I'm sure the first of many for years to come for you here. And uh, I'm pretty sure you've kept an eye on on the Stanford program from afar um, over the years. Uh, Stanford trying to get back to where it has been after after a lot of things did not go its way last year, three and nine, seven game losing streak to finish the season. But a lot of hope, a lot of excitement and a lot of reason for both as we begin 2022. Uh, give me your snapshot of where this program sits right now as we begin the season. Yeah, well, it's a defining moment on on was the last decade of success uh you know, an outlier or is Stanford going to return to that to that dominance uh, in being a top ranked team every year? David Shaw has proven that he is that type of leader that can take this program to the heights that it was it was in the, you know, the 2010s. Uh, but then three rough years, three of the, of the worst years in David Shaw's era. Uh, some of the worst last year was probably the worst year since uh, I think it was 2006. So a rough time in and, and there's 
plenty of ways to spin that. You know, you could say it was, um, you know, the the uncertainty of COVID and being on campus, being off campus, not being able to practice, being able to practice, which can take a toll on a program for sure. Uh, last year, we saw a bunch of injuries. This year is the year to return to being a top break team because uh, those excuses are gone. And I say excuses, even though that's, you know, you could it affects your play. But this year, they're healthy. They have experience. They have talent. The coaching staff has remained the same, which is very rare in college football. The excitement is there. The team is there. Now they just got to go put it together on the field. Yeah, they're, they're healthy. They've got experience. And, and those things can certainly apply to this wide receiver core, which is oh, yeah. super deep, super talented. And I just can't wait to see all the damage that those guys uh, can inflict. As a former receiver yourself, when you're looking at all of these guys, Higgins, uh, Tremaine, uh, I'll throw Ben Urosik in there as well, even though technically he's a tight end. Michael Wilson, uh, John Humphreys, uh, Moody Rubin is a freshman. We might see yeah, him a little yeah. bit as the season goes along. You look at all these guys, what sort of things pop out at you? All right. Well, well, first of all, I'm, I'm, it's possibly the best receiving core that Stanford has ever had. Uh, and I go all the way back to the 99 season, 20, uh, 2000 Rose Bowl with Troy Walters and Durrani Pitts and two of the most amazing receivers that I've ever got to watch in person uh, and learn from. And those guys weren't all that tall. And now we look at the roster today. Uh, we've got Bryson Tremaine, 6'4", Elijah Higgins, 6'3", Michael Wilson, the short guy in the crew at 6'2", Urosic at 6'4". Like, these guys are massive. Uh, and that is, a, that is a matchup nightmare. No one has 6'4 corners. You're lucky if you have one six-foot-plus corner. Uh, and so you can't match up with those guys everywhere. you got to put somebody on Tremaine for a jump ball. But then uh, Urosic's also 6'4", and Wilson's 6'2". Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, Elijah Higgins is what I've been told, the most well-rounded receiver. Um, he's the one that can he can move around to all the different spots. Um, and then Mudia coming in as a, as a freshman, um, brings speed to the group. It is exciting. Uh, and Coach Shaw has praised their uh, lack, their lack of selfishness um, and they're working together as a group, no one being the diva. Every wide receiver group usually has a diva, um, but being a well-bonded group. And if they can play together, you know Tanner Key can get them the ball. Very excited to see what Ty, what they do for the offense and, and also how they can help the run game because what we learned from last year, we need a big boost in the run game. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, running back room will be intriguing to watch in the offensive line. We'll see if uh, they can gel and start to live up to some of the things that we saw from them, especially during parts uh, of the 2020 season. But, man, you know, Elijah Higgins reportedly on his uh, touchdown catch and run against UCLA Hit 21.5 miles an hour. Holy smoke. These guys are bigger, faster, and strong. Are, are you as amazed as I am that the receiver position, not just at Stanford, but in football as a whole, has just become so much bigger, so much faster, yeah. and so much stronger in a relatively short amount of time, it seems? So I'll give you a quick story. Once I became a starter in Miami with the Dolphins, I wanted to make myself look and feel a little bigger. So I had a nice chat with the media guy. And I was like, look, man, 6'2", 195. If I could somehow get you to say 6'2", 200, I'll sound and look bigger. And that's, <laughs> that sounds great. Which, you know, what used to be the case, 6'2", 200, that's a big guy. Uh, Elijah Higgins, 6'3", 234. <laughs> and you're talking about running 21 miles per hour? Stop it. Like, that's it. 
Oh, that's amazing. And it's exciting. And that's and that's also the type of body type that can endure a long season. Uh, we saw a lot of injuries, but when you're a bigger guy, a stronger guy, you can take a few more hits. Uh, and so it's exciting to have those type that those types of players um, in so many of them in the receiving room. I'm five foot 11. I remember back in the days when I used to look down on receivers and you know, I was talking to those guys. I'm like, wait a minute, you, you're running around on the football. <laughs> those, those, those legends that I mentioned, Troy Walters and Durrani Pitt, amazing yeah. receivers, not tall guys, but they, man, they were fun to watch. Oh, they, they were incredible. Dave Davis. Don't forget about him. Put him oh, yeah, in that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that crew as well. Uh, you were a part of that, that, that kind of that tail end of that era with Tyrone Willingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, and you went through uh, the buddy Tevens era as well, but you started, as a walk-on, yeah. take me through your road as a walk-on to the Stanford program. What did it take to go from that level to being a contributor on the squad by the time it was all said and done? Yeah, so um, I was a walk-on punter slash receiver. So I got a, a chance to meet with Tyrone Willingham. He's like, sure, you can walk on as a punter because you already admitted to school. And I just asked if I could play receiver. And they had only one uh, scholarship receiver that year so they needed a body so they said sure go for it uh in the in the beautiful thing about that opportunity one was that i was treated the same as others i was given every opportunity i was allowed to have reps um you know i was allowed to play on scout team but playing against high level talent forced me to improve and so we had uh three dbs in my class um oj atagway stanley wilson and lee torrance all play in the nfl mm-hmm. and i got to practice against them daily so going against these guys that were really good i had to figure out how to get better or i may as well just pack up and leave um and so getting a chance to play against those guys improve coaching staff treating me not like this you know the son of a professor walk on whatever just give him a jersey and leave him alone but giving me an opportunity um, and then embracing that, you know, working hard, trying to improve, learning from guys like Durrani Pitts, getting to watch them. Um, and, it, you know, I, I grew, I got better and got to see the field. And out of that, um, you know, produced a chance to, to try out for the Chargers. 2001 to 2004, that 2001 squad was was the one that 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 went to the Seattle Bowl. And I, I still think that they kind of oh, got an still unfair hurt. shake, yeah. <laughs> got, got an unfair shake in a lot of different ways and isn't remembered quite as fondly as they probably should be, because that was, you know, quite honestly, the best Stanford football team of my lifetime up until around yeah. 2010 or so. But 2001 to 2004, overall, an era that. Let's face it, isn't quite remembered too fondly amongst no. Stanford football fans, but there had to be some high points along the way. What were some of the high points for Stanford uh, while you were there? I mean, oh man, that's a dab. That's a tough one. Um, so I mean, the 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 Buddy Stevens era, we didn't have too many high points. We we were we were struggling. Um, in my era, the, the end of the Tyrone Willingham era, where we went up to Oregon, beat Oregon. I think they were a top ranked team, maybe one, two, something like that. That that was. Anytime you can go into Hudson Stadium and, and silence the silence the Ducks fans, that was amazing. But really, you know, my fondest memories of Stanford and Stanford football, although we didn't win that much, was just the people. Uh, Stanford recruits not just amazing athletes and amazing students, but when you combine the two of those amazingly motivated people, uh, guys that have gone on to do uh, impressive things, uh, friendships to this day that have lasted guys that were in my wedding party that I met at Stanford. And so, you know, they, they've continued that you read the bios of the guys today and they're just, they're recruiting these top notch 
really interesting, unique individuals. Um, and it's great to see that Stanford has continued that trend. After Stanford latched on with the Chargers, then you went to the Dolphins, the Vikings, and the Saints by the time it was all said and done with your NFL career. But in 2007, uh, you caught the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime from Cleo Levin to give Miami its first and its only win, and it came in mid-December of that year, if I remember correctly. Uh, to this day, do you still have to buy your own meal in Miami to, to this very day? It's funny that you say that. So the night that that happened, I wasn't even allowed in the club. The guy didn't even want to let me in the club. And so I have I have bought my own drinks. I've bought my own meals. But I still get a lot of love from from Dolphin fans, uh, which is fun. You know, you 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 want to look back fondly at your career and feel like you 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 had an impact on a team. Um, and so Dolphin fans, it's been a rough ride for Dolphins fans since 1972 uh, when they went undefeated. And so they appreciate smaller things like that where. Other teams may say, hey, you know, we're going to try to forget a one-win season. But with the Dolphins fans, they've, they've embraced it, and it's, it's fun to be part of that memory. As you watched Stanford's rise from afar uh, to going to Rose Bowls, to, to winning Rose Bowls, to yeah. being legit potential playoff and, and, and BCS contenders, as you watched Stanford's rise from afar, what, what did you make of all that? All right. So first of all, it's hard to watch Stanford's rise from afar on the East Coast while playing football. So <laughs> I'm at a team hotel, you know, uh, and these are what games that are starting at five, six, seven on the West Coast. It's 10, 11, 12. I'm jumping around a hotel the night before a game. So I'm supposed to be getting some rest and I'm going nuts. You know, watch guys <laughs> like Toby Gerhardt, Andrew Luck, Bryce Love. Um, and so you have to be a dedicated fan to stay up late on the East Coast and do that. But, you know, just to have it, it brought a sense of pride of being a member of the Stanford Cardinal family. You know, in, in NFL locker rooms, guys brag about their teams, they bet on their teams. And I had a great stretch of being able to bet on my team because, uh, you know, uh, it started with Harbaugh, continued with Shaw. Stanford was a dominant program, a top 10, a top 20 program where you knew every week, no matter who the opponent was, Notre Dame, SC, anybody. They had a shot to win, and there was a good chance they were going to win. Uh, and so it was a, a great ride, uh, and we just got to get back there. You know, this this is this is our year to start to start building that back, and and I think they have the weapons to do it. Yeah, I, I lived in Connecticut and Pittsburgh during much oh, of that ride. It. So, oh yeah, that, that, that stuff was real, real, real. A lot of a lot of Saturday nights at two a.m. <laughs> yep, yep. You're the well, only one yelling. Neighborhoods asleep. You're yelling. <laughs> Neighbors were all mad at me and everything. But yeah, I know that struggle is very, very real. Uh, you're on the call this week for the Pac-12 Network on the TV side, but I know you also do a little TV stuff uh, yeah. down in San Diego. Uh, what are some of the things you're doing there, and what are some of the other things that you're into uh, these days. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, NBC San Diego. Uh, after Sunday Night Football, we come on. It's called Football Night in San Diego. We just review the you know the the games from that day, go over some highlights, break down some plays, um, try to have an entertaining TV show to let fans know what happened in the NFL that week. Um, you know, also working at San Diego State in uh, academic support for student athletes, and just launched a nonprofit called the Athlete Academy, where I'm helping. Uh, high school student athletes in underserved areas um, do well in school and prepare themselves for college. Um, and so that's kind of the professional side of things. And I got 
three little girls and a wife at home. And so they, they keep me happy and busy for the other times. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, good stuff all the way around. Los Angeles Chargers just still doesn't oh, sound quite yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about Saturday. Let me get your initial thoughts on, on some things that we could possibly see with the uh, Colgate Raiders uh, yeah. coming to town to open up the 2022 season and, and, and Colgate, you know, Patriot League squad, but, you know, pretty intriguing in a lot of different ways as team that has shown that it can run the ball. It's predicated on running the ball offensively yeah. with the quarterback in Brescia. And let's face it, stopping the run last year was maybe a fatal flaw for the Cardinal uh, in the 2021 season. You look at Stanford, you look at Colgate, what sort of things uh, could, do you think we could potentially see uh, come to fruition on Saturday? Yeah, well, when you look at the matchup as far as experience, uh, size, recruiting, there should be no matchup. Um, but what you can't look at on paper is Colgate football. This is their moment. They're going to be on TV. They're going to play a power five opponent. It's the first game. So I guarantee that this has been what they've been looking forward to all off season. When you're grinding at 6 a.m. in the weight room and you don't want to get up and work out. OK, we're, we're going to be on TV. We got to get this going. Our family's going to be watching this. So they're going, Stanford's going to get Colgate's absolute 100% max effort. Uh, and that's what you can't measure on paper. Because if you look on paper, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a close game. Um, but like you mentioned, uh, with you know, their quarterback, Brescia, he came in midway last year. And the dude just, he's a running back that, that, that throws the ball. Uh, <laughs> he has more running stats than passing stats. And so they're going to find creative ways to test that. And like you mentioned, Stanford struggled to stop the run. We're talking one of the worst in the nation. Out of 131 FBS teams, I think they were 128 or 126. Um, terrible. And so they've changed up the defense. They've got a 3-4 going to try to let their smaller, more athletic guys um, affect the line of scrimmage. we got a strong linebacking crew. So Stanford's focus has to be we need to stop the run because you got to make Brescia throw the ball. He is, he doesn't have that impressive uh, a stat. Um, his passing stats, I should say, aren't as impressive as his running stats. Um, but then you also have to take account that Colgate has nothing to lose. Let's They're going to throw out some trick plays. They're going to try some uh, reverses, um, maybe go for it on fourth down, fake punts, all that stuff. And so really what you need to do from Stanford's perspective is set the tone early, you know, show that you are, the Power Five team, and this is a Patriot Patriot League team coming to your house, um, because if you give them hope, all that energy of their offseason preparing for this big moment is going to turn into more hope. Um, and so they got to set the tone early. Sounds like a good test all the way around for Stanford to begin the season. Hopefully they pass that test before the even larger tests loom as the season goes along. Well, I'm sure that Greg Camarillo is going to be up in the TV booth on Saturday with his red pen grading <laughs> everything. Looking forward to seeing what uh, he does on the uh, on the analyst call and the analyst chair uh, for the Pac-12 Network on Saturday evening. Greg, thanks a bunch. Really appreciate the time. Glad we could catch up. Best of luck. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Troy. I appreciate it. Boy, what took me so long to get Greg Camarillo on this show? <laughs> really enjoyed that chat and uh, glad that uh, he could uh, spend some time with us. If you want to follow him on Twitter, um, I, I recommend it. I've been doing it for years. At Catch Camarillo. At Cat, Ca Catch Camarillo is uh, Greg's uh, Twitter handle. And awesome to hear all the terrific things that he is doing down in the 619 area code, both in the media and elsewhere with uh, helping uh, student athletes do what they need to be doing and uh, helping uh, kids 
have opportunities to go to college. All those things, very, 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 very important in this day and age. So our thanks to uh, Greg Camarillo for uh, joining us and uh, spending some time here on the TreeCast. And I promise uh, we'll, we'll get him on again um, as, as we go along. So here we go. Stanford Colgate. On paper, should this be a compelling matchup? Eh, eh, probably not. Probably not. I, I hope that this is one of those games that we walk out of the building, Stanford has won comfortably, yet we're still walking out of the place going, we still don't really know a whole lot about this team, right? I mean, I, I, I would love to be able to, to, to walk out of the building on Saturday evening with still not quite as many definitive answers as, as I had maybe when I walked in the place. Because in these types of games, if you're walking out with more answers than you came in with, that might not necessarily be a good thing, right? You're going, oh, my goodness. Offensive line couldn't push around Colgate. Oh, boy, this is, this is really going to be tough. And all, these, all those sorts of things start getting into your head. So hopefully, hopefully, in some ways, we don't learn a whole lot about Stanford this week. That being said, keys for this game I'll go back to something that David Shaw told us at media day when we caught up with him uh, down in LA in late July and, and I asked him for his initial thoughts on on the first two games in particular Colgate this week USC next week and and he said look the first thing we want to do against Colgate is start fast and play fast on both sides of the ball and I certainly think that's going to be critical but to that I'll add this start fast and stay fast. Don't let the foot off the pedal. Don't let Colgate get back in it. I think back to Washington State last year. That came up in Pullman when Stanford started fast, kicked too many field goals early on. They had a 13-0 lead. They started fast, but they couldn't maintain it. They couldn't stay fast. So starting fast is great. Staying fast, I think, is even better. And I would love to see Stanford do both of those things on both sides of the ball against Colgate on Saturday. Staying healthy, that, that goes without saying. One player that I'm really intrigued to find out if we see any of on Saturday is the young man who is QB3 on the depth chart this week. We haven't talked about quarterbacks at all. <laughs> on the show. How about that? And, and Stanford's got a good one in Tanner McKee. I mean, we briefly mentioned him uh, during our chat with uh, Greg Camarillo, but um, QB3 behind Tanner McKee and Ari Patu is a freshman out of Georgia, Ashton Daniels. And it was interesting being at Stanford's open house practice uh, for football back on August the 19th. And Daniels was the quarterback who was running a lot of the so-called wildcat and a lot of the short yardage packages, especially on the goal line. Hadn't really seen that before. Then again, we haven't seen Ashton Daniels before because he's just a freshman this year. Now, obviously, Isaiah Sanders had fulfilled that role in 2020 and 2021 and had done it pretty well. So given that what we saw in that open practice, I asked David Shaw what kind of role Ashton Daniels could potentially fill 
throughout the course of the regular season this year. Um, this is a big, strong arm, athletic young man that we think uh, has a has a high ceiling. So, um, you know, hopefully Tanner, you know, plays pretty much every play, every game. Um, but, uh, you know, we may have an opportunity to use uh, one or more of the quarterbacks in different fashions if we choose to do that. So there it is. David Shaw not ruling out perhaps seeing Ashton Daniels and Ari Patu in certain situations in place of Tanner McKee. Now, I mean, part of me says, you know, it goes back to when Stanford had Andrew Luck taking snaps and when the Cardinal would go to Wildcat and it would drive me nuts because I would sit there and think, why do you want to take the ball out of Andrew Luck's hands? I don't understand it at all. And there's a small, small part of me that, that, that thinks that the same thing potentially applies with Tanner McKee being as good as he potentially can be. Why do you want to take the ball out of his hands? Then again, there are things that, that Ari Patu and apparently Ashton Daniels can do that might be a bit better suited for certain situations than, than, than Tanner McKee. I mean, we know McKee can get out of the pocket a bit. We know that he can roll out. We've seen him score on bootlegs before at USC and at Washington State come to mind. But I will be very intrigued to see if we see number 14 taking snaps for Stanford, not just on Saturday, but really at any point. And, and when we do see Ashton Daniels out there, in what situations is he taking those snaps? So those are my keys, plus a player that I am going to be keeping an eye out on. I always appreciate and always look forward to your feedback on anything that we talk about on the show. Best thing to do is to uh, send me your thoughts via Twitter, via the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast, that's the best way to ensure that I see what you've got on your mind. And don't forget, subscribe to the show, review the show, rate the show, and tell a friend. Now tell your enemies about the show too. <laughs> Always appreciate it. And, and look, the show has, has certainly grown by leaps and bounds since we started the TreeCast back in 2015. And especially uh, since we latched on with the Believe Podcast Network, now the Believe Network, um, in March of 2020, which coincidentally was the, the same month that everything started to go sideways in the world. Things are much better now than they were uh, at that point in time. But uh, uh, the TreeCast has certainly grown a lot in the two and a half years uh, since latching on to Believe and looking forward to continuing that growth in the 2022 Stanford football season in particular. And we'll come at you next time. We will come at you either on Sunday or Monday. Sunday, I've got the Pac-12 Network call of Stanford Women's Volleyball as they take on number one Texas. Ooh, boy, that's going to be a doozy at Maples. I can't wait for that one. Yours truly and Don Shaw will be courtside at Maples on Sunday. So if I can bring you a tree cast and post it late on Sunday, I will. Maybe a bit more likely as a tree cast coming your way on Monday with a complete review of what we see from Stanford Stadium against Colgate. Until then, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much to our special guests, the Willie Shaw Director of Defense, Lance Anderson, and a former Cardinal wide receiver and new member of the Pac-12 Network family, Greg Camarillo. Biggest thanks of all goes out to you for joining us on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. And we'll come at you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.